Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about subarachnoid hemorrhage. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash subarachnoid hemorrhage or in the neurology section of the second edition of the Zero to Finals medicine book. And you can find flashcards and questions to train your knowledge on this content and help you remember the information much longer at members.zerotofinals.com. So let's get straight into it. A subarachnoid hemorrhage involves bleeding into the subarachnoid space where the cerebrospinal fluid is located between the pia mater and the arachnoid membrane. This is usually the result of a ruptured cerebral aneurysm. Subarachnoid hemorrhage has a very high mortality of around 30% and morbidity making it essential not to miss. Let's talk about the risk factors. Subarachnoid hemorrhage is more common in people aged 45 to 70 years old, women and people from a black ethnic origin. The general risk factors for a subarachnoid hemorrhage include hypertension, smoking and excessive alcohol intake. Subarachnoid hemorrhage is also associated with a family history, cocaine use, sickle cell anemia, connective tissue disorders, for example Marfan syndrome or Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, neurofibromatosis and autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease. Let's talk about the presentation. The typical presenting symptom is a sudden onset occipital headache occurring at the back of the head during strenuous activity such as lifting heavy weights or having sex. This may be described as a thunderclap headache, like being hit hard over the back of the head. Other important features include neck stiffness, photophobia, vomiting and neurological symptoms, for example visual changes, dysphasia, vocal weakness, seizures and reduced consciousness. Let's talk about the investigations. A CT scan of the head is the first line investigation. Blood will cause hyperattenuation in the subarachnoid space on the CT scan. However, a normal CT head does not exclude a subarachnoid hemorrhage. CT scans are less reliable more than six hours after the start of the symptoms. A lumbar puncture is considered after a normal CT head if the diagnosis is still being suspected. The NICE guidelines from 2022 recommend waiting at least 12 hours after the symptoms start before performing a lumbar puncture as it takes time for the bilirubin to accumulate in the cerebrospinal fluid. With a subarachnoid hemorrhage, the cerebrospinal fluid or CSF sample will show a raised red cell count and it's worth noting that a decreasing red cell count on successive bottles that are taken during the lumbar puncture may be due to a traumatic procedure with bleeding occurring from the procedure rather than blood being in the cerebrospinal fluid. And the other important finding on the CSF sample is xanthochromia, which is a yellow colour to the sample caused by bilirubin from broken down red blood cells in the CSF. CT angiography is used after confirming the diagnosis to locate the source of the bleeding. Next let's talk about management. 
Patients should be managed by a specialist neurosurgical unit. Patients with reduced consciousness may require intubation and ventilation. Supportive care involves a multidisciplinary team during the initial stages and the recovery. Surgical interventions may be used to treat aneurysms. The aim is to repair the vessel and prevent re-bleeding. This can be done by endovascular coiling, which involves inserting a catheter into the arterial system. It's an endovascular approach. Placing platinum coils into the aneurysm and sealing it off from the rest of the artery. An alternative is neurosurgical clipping, which involves cranial surgery and putting a clip on the aneurysm to seal it. Nimodipine is a calcium channel blocker that's used to prevent vasospasm in patients with subarachnoid hemorrhage. Vasospasm is a common complication following a subarachnoid hemorrhage, and this can result in brain ischemia so nimodipine is used to prevent this. Finally, let's talk about the management of complications. Hydrocephalus refers to increased cerebrospinal fluid, causing expansion of the ventricles in the brain. Treatment options of hydrocephalus include lumbar puncture to remove some of the cerebrospinal fluid, External ventricular drain, which is a drain inserted into the brain ventricles to drain the cerebrospinal fluid, and a ventriculoperitoneal or VP shunt, which is a catheter that connects the ventricles with the peritoneal cavity in the abdomen. All of these methods aim to drain some of the excess cerebrospinal fluid away from the brain. Seizures following a subarachnoid hemorrhage can be treated with anti-epileptic drugs. So thanks for listening to this episode on subarachnoid hemorrhage. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. I recommend heading over to members.zerotofinals.com and testing yourself on the information in this podcast using the flashcards, MCQs, short answer questions and extended matching questions to see what details you've picked up and what details you've missed. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about multiple sclerosis.